Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the fifth commandment is for you. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Don't know about you guys, but I don't happen to see an expiration date on the commandment. I don't happen to see where it says when you hit the age of 14, you are no longer bound or obligated to the commandment. I don't happen to see where it says if you hit the age of 75, you're freed from the obligations thereunto. The fifth commandment is for everyone of all ages because, quite frankly, we're all children. There's not a single person sitting in this room who is not the result of the coming together of one man and one woman and their genetic material to create life. In fact, there's only one, uh, well, three actually, three individuals in all of human history that either uh, never entered into a mother's womb or was not the result of one man and one woman coming together. And none of us are those three people. Some of us may feel as Adam, as old as Adam. I can guarantee you none of us are Jesus. So this morning, we're going to take a look at our fifth commandment uh, here in our Lenten series on the Ten Commandments. And as we've already said, uh, it's for everyone, honoring your father and your mother for children of all ages. And over the course of our sermon this morning, we're going to do a couple of things. First, we're going to answer the question, what does it mean to honor? What does it mean to honor your father and your mother? Secondly, then, we'll look at the question, why does God command this honor? Why does God, in the middle of his Ten Commandments, say this? And then finally, I think it's always appropriate for us to ask the question, because Scripture is always pointing towards him, where is Jesus in the midst of this fifth commandment? So, we'll ask ourselves, what, why, and where, regarding the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. One of the first things that we have to do when we begin to look at God's law, when we begin to look at the moral law encompassed in the Ten Commandments, is we have to remind ourselves that God is laying out in the revelation of who he is and in the revelation of how he says life is to be lived, God is laying out the true way to be human. And so we have to actively work against a very natural inclination that's within us. By natural, I mean fallen and sinful. And that is the naturally fallen and sinful inclination to view law as restriction. That's not what God's law is. God's law actually is for freedom and for our good. I say this because true freedom is not found in the removal of an external constraint. Rather, true freedom is found in the space, in the place, in the room to be who we were made to be, intended by God who's the creator. And so the law, as it reveals God's character, as it reveals God's moral standard, really is revealing what he intends human life to look like. To put it another way, God is showing us what it means to be truly human, with a life lived centered upon God and a life lived in love of neighbor, the way Jesus summarizes the commandments. And so this morning, I want to say to us and, and, and think through this together, yes, it may be difficult for us 
because of past experiences. It may be difficult for us because of relationships, but God's intended way for us to be truly human when it comes to our parents is to honor them. But what does honor mean, and what does it look like? Well, the word that's often translated as honor, uh, especially in our English Standard Version that we're preaching out of, we heard read this morning, it's significant, a very significant word. It's a significant word here that God himself uses as he says to his people, honor your parents. It's the word kabod, K-A-B-O-D, kabod. The word means something like weightiness, and it often carries with it the understanding of a physical heaviness. Now, it's not talking about parental stature and their physique. It's talking about the weightiness of their position, the weightiness of who they are as parents. It's the same word that God uses in reference to his own glory. When in reference to his divine majesty falling upon a person or a place, it is said to be kavod, weighty. So fundamentally then, to honor one's father, to honor one's mother, is to allow the weightiness of their position to come to bear upon you. You cannot treat something that is heavy lightly. That's the fundamental meaning of honor. You cannot treat something that is heavy as if it doesn't matter, as of no regard or no concern. And then, to honor in a biblical way is never less than simple obedience, but is truly more than obedience. But what does this look like? If we're talking about loving our parents or honoring our father and our mother, and we're talking about letting the, the weight of their position to be upon us, that we, we treat them with the deference due to that, what does it actually look like in practical terms? Within Scripture, there are at least three dominant forms that I want to draw out for us this morning. And by the way, while this commandment is directed towards children, it says a whole lot about what kind of parents we are called to be by God. So, the first thing that we recognize within Scripture is that to honor mother and father first means to respect. It first means to protect their dignity, both in private and in public. In Leviticus chapter 19, the Lord spoke to Israel through Moses and there, at the very beginning of Leviticus chapter 19, the Lord says, I am holy, you are my people, you need to be holy as well. The first thing he then says is this, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. In verse 3, immediately after the declaration of holiness in Leviticus chapter 19, God said, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. God's people are called to give their parents their due worth, not to treat the weighty ones lightly, to never act as if they don't matter. They're to respect them, to revere them, be, in a sense, in awe of them. God takes this matter so seriously that in Exodus chapter 21, as he begins to lay out civil laws built upon the moral law for how his nation people of Israel should order their lives, he declared a death penalty upon anyone who would curse his father or his mother. Now, before we all go out to the parking lot and begin to stone one another, 
Because I'm quite sure that many of us, most of us perhaps, have at some point in the midst of our hormone-fueled pubescent rage uttered, I wish you were just dead, to our parents. Let's understand the curse, what it means. What we're talking about here, what God is talking about in Exodus chapter 21, isn't an unforgivable sin. It is more in line with a public statement followed by a cutting off of relationship. The curse of Exodus chapter 21 is saying, I wish you were dead, and then acting upon it to treat the father or the mother as if they were already dead. In some ways, I can't help but think that perhaps the prodigal son of the gospel according to St. Luke is a good example of what this kind of curse would be, treating the father as if he's already dead, saying, give me my inheritance while you're still alive. So what we're seeing here is the, the consequences that God puts upon the breaking of the fifth commandment are severe, the most severe. Cursing, death penalty. Why? Because God doesn't take this lightly. Fundamentally, to honor means to respect, to protect their dignity in private and in public. To honor means to allow their positional authority to have its full weight. And part of considering, then, the weightiness of a parent is to pay attention to their wisdom. This is the second aspect. How do we honor, we respect, and we listen? There are many statements in Proverbs about this, about paying attention to a parent's wisdom, both mothers and fathers. An example is found in Proverbs chapter 1. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Pay attention to what your parents say because that is like jewelry that you can put upon you. Parents, given tremendous obligations by God to teach, to share, to lead their children. And they have the responsibilities, parents do, to teach their children about God and about life. To honor them in this, we children then just recognize the been there, done that system that we've got before us. And in so many ways, we recognize they have a treasure trove of knowledge that really can't help us in our lives. Honoring them means respecting them. It means listening to them. My dad was the wisest man in the world until I turned 14. For the next eight years, it was as if my parents had been lobotomized. My dad and I have a very honest relationship with one another. When I turned 18, he said, Caleb, I'm surprised that uh, you lived this long. I said, Dad, why is that? He said, because I thought I was going to kill you before now. (laughs) When I turned 22, I said to my dad, you know, you are the stupidest man in the world for about the last eight years. Now I realize you're really very smart. There's an eight-year period in there in which I ignored what my father had to say, the wisdom of my father. What could have I avoided if I had just listened? The final aspect of honoring parents is found in caring and supporting them. We honor our parents by allowing the weight of their authority, their position to be upon us. We respect them. We protect their dignity. We obey them. We listen to their instruction. And then there will come a time when parents will no longer be able to work. Perhaps life circumstances have changed for them and they find themselves in need of help. This commandment means that God's people will be the primary means of such support and help for their parents. You see, for most of human history, 
there were no government programs to help those who were in need, to help those who lacked. There were families. An Old Testament scholar by the name of Doug Stewart believes that this aspect of the commandment is actually at its heart. As he writes, the commandment establishes a responsibility that might otherwise be shirked. That children take care of their parents and their parents' old age when they are no longer able to work for themselves. Paul, writing in his first letter to Timothy, puts it this way, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This means that children are to ensure that their parents have shelter, food, proper medical care. This means, in a very real sense, the role of provider and recipient has been reversed. And just, by the way, let me just say this. As a pastor of Emmanuel Church, I can't tell you how many times I have stood and seen with awe the way I have seen members of this church body honor their parents in this way. I think of a young man by the name of Jason Self. I think of Steve Perticaro. I think of Mike and Claudia Hesse. I think of Jeff and Kathleen Cressy and so many others who love and honor their parents to provide when they need help. So well done. God's people are to honor their parents. They are to give their father and their mother the due weight in respecting them and learning from them in caring for them. This is a command for children of all ages. And honor, of course, will be expressed in different ways and in different manners depending on the age of the children and on the age of the parents. It remains the commandment, the call of God. It's for our good. As he says, this is the way to be truly human. Honor your father and your mother. So that's what. That's what honor is. Why? Why does God say this? You know, it is sufficient, but it is not perhaps totally satisfactory to say this is the way God wants it, so nanny, nanny, nana, you have to go do it. Let's try to understand why God would want this. Let's try to understand why God sees this as a way to be truly human. God, who reveals himself as father to his people, commands his people to honor their parents because of the position and the responsibility that parents have. The parents, especially the father, are the primary representatives of God to their children. The parents, especially the father, are the first pastors, the first evangelists, the first Sunday school teachers. Jewish philosopher Philo once stated that what God is to the world, that parents are to their children. John Dixon writes, there is something structurally equivalent between the reverence due to the maker and the honor due to a mother and a father. We see this reflected in the very placement, the physical placement of the fifth commandment within the whole of the ten. The fifth commandment comes right in the middle. It comes after God has declared the vertical commandments, those which lay out the relationship between him and his people, and before the horizontal commandments, those which lay out the relationships between people. Parents are the bridge in a very real sense then between God and their kids, and they are the bridge in a very real sense between neighbors and their kids. And how one honors God is reflected in how one honors their parents, and how one honors their parents reflects what they think about God. And I think this is why the Pharisees got into so much trouble with Jesus in Matthew chapter 15. 
Pharisees and scribes, they were experts in the law. They, they came to Jesus and they demanded to know why his disciples didn't follow the traditions created by the elders. Jesus reveals just how far off base those traditions were as the traditions themselves actually violated the fifth commandment. He answered them, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Jesus here is declaring that the Pharisees' tradition expressed in the Korban practiced violated, conflicted, broke the fifth commandment. The Korban practice was a tradition within Pharisaical Judaism that allowed for people, while they're alive, to pledge money or materials to the temple, the pledge not payable until they've died. It's almost like saying, yes, I promise after I've died, you'll have this fifth or fourth of my inheritance. While the person who made the pledge was alive, it could still be used for their own benefit, but it could not be transferred to anyone else. Sounds really pious, doesn't it? And while such action may sound pious, Jesus declares that it is sinful. It actually is stemming from a defiled heart and is dishonoring to the father and the mother. By doing this, the Pharisees were showing what they thought of God. By doing this, the Pharisees were showing how they honored God and how they honored their parents. And Jesus says, you hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So why then are God's people to honor their parents? God's people show how weighty they view God when they give weight to their parents. God's people reveal how they honor God and how they honor their parents, because the parents, again, the first pastors, the first evangelists, the first Bible teachers. God's people are to honor their parents because the family is the most basic social unit, and the family is the training ground for the creation of functioning humans who love their neighbors. Just as the parents are the bridge between God and people, so they are the bridge between people and people. Parents are models for how we are to live and behave. They potty train us. They teach us how to feed ourselves. They also reveal how to be good church members, how to be good neighbors, and how to be good citizens. Linked to our listening to their wisdom and their instruction, this is linked to their position. Parents are to be honored because of the responsibility they have. Finally, and most basically then, why does God call upon his people to honor their parents? Because they've given us life. If you're sitting here this morning, you owe your existence to another. God's people are called to honor their parents because they give life. They teach us how to live. They represent God. And now is probably the best time to say that's not what everyone experiences in their family relationships. We live in a fallen world. We live in what we might call a broken world, and nothing is as it was made to be. Everything is stained with sin, and that includes parents, children, and their relationships. 
There is the truth that many come from homes that were not happy, and where all that we can say about a parent is that they gave life, and thus many struggle with honoring their parents. What do we say and what do we do in such a situation? In his book, The Decalogue, David Baker addresses this very issue when he writes, in such a situation, disturbed parental behavior has to be resisted, and blind obedience is clearly not required. Nevertheless, to honor one's parents might mean to avoid exposing them to unnecessary shame, even while taking appropriate action to deal with the issues. He goes on, the validity of the fifth commandment is not dependent on having perfect parents, but on the role of parents as God's representatives in giving life. Immoral, God-dishonoring behavior need not be obeyed. In the event of a crime, appropriate action is to call the authorities. But even in these extremes, honor can still be given. In such a situation, in fact, a child can reflect God back to the parent doing the work of an evangelist through honor and through forgiveness. To honor a parent who hasn't been much of a parent, God's uh, God calls him or her to be, requires the extension, the giving of grace. And even in the best of circumstances, our natural sinful selves will seek all sorts of ways to avoid giving honor to our parents. Honoring them means we give them their full due. We respect them. We honor their dignity. We listen to their words of wisdom. We support them in life. We do this because they represent God to us. We do this because they are our bridge to the wider society. We do this because they've given us life. The problem is we don't. The problem is we can't. Our collect for this morning, in fact, said that, didn't it? You know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Even if I wanted to fully keep the fifth commandment, I wouldn't be able to fully keep the fifth commandment because I am sinful. And before you stand in judgment over me, I would politely suggest to you that you are too. And so we need the grace of God to get beyond what we naturally can do to do what God has given us to do, in this case, to honor our father and our mother. That requires a Holy Spirit-empowered act of the will. That requires Jesus. And that is a perfect segue into our final aspect this morning, where is Jesus? As we progress through our Lenten sermon series on the Ten Commandments, we keep coming back to the basics. We keep coming back to our need for Jesus. In violating and breaking the fifth commandment, we sin. To be redeemed out of our sin, we need Jesus. In Jesus, by grace through faith, those who believe in him receive the imputation of his perfect righteousness, the perfect righteousness of the perfect son. I really appreciate the way Pastor Philip Ryken puts it. Like the rest of God's law, the fifth commandment is impossible for us to keep. No one is the perfect child except Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our breaking the fifth commandment as much as for any other sin. But Jesus has done more than that. He has also kept the fifth commandment on our behalf. And so it's Jesus, the one who redeems us that we need. It is Jesus through whom we are forgiven, through whom we're justified. Because Jesus kept the fifth commandment, because Jesus was the perfect son, we are accounted as righteous in God's sight regarding this commandment. 
This is what theologians refer to as the imputation of Christ's righteousness, which means that God thinks of Christ's active obedience, his righteousness, as our own by grace through faith when we trust in him. We need Jesus because we need his active righteousness credited to our account because we cannot do it. He's the only individual who ever kept the moral law of God with perfection, and we need his perfection for forgiveness. Jesus redeems. Jesus also transforms. He gives the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. And even in the best of familial circumstances, our relationships are stained by sin. God desires to deliver us from our own pharisaical tendencies toward simultaneous external conformity and internal rebellion. Freed from the penalty of sin by grace through faith, believers in Jesus receive the Holy Spirit that we may be transformed into the very image of the one who saves us. So that we too, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the transformation of our hearts, we too might be perfect sons and daughters. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can become more and more conformed to the moral law of God. That is to say, what Jesus did perfectly, honor his heavenly and earthly fathers and his mother we can desire and then begin to enact. Through the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit, our disordered honor can become rightly ordered. And again, of a transforming heart, we now need the power to do it. And so we need Jesus. Jesus, the one who redeems. Jesus, the one who transforms. Jesus, the one who empowers. The Holy Spirit is given to empower an act of the will. There with redemption there with transformation of hearts there with the holy spirit empowering us we can actually be truly human we can actually honor our father and our mother not on our own strength but in the strength of god and so as we come back to basics the ten commandments show us who god is what he desires shows us who we are and what we need we need jesus in all of this there is grace In all of this, the exposure of our sin and God's moral law, the leading of sinners back to Jesus for forgiveness, ongoing transformation and empowerment, grace reigns supreme. This morning, very specifically, we looked at honoring our father and our mother. And so let me ask you, do you honor your parents? Maybe in hearing this sermon, uh, it's come to light just how much of a parent you need to be. Are you a parent worthy of honor? Is there heart work that God desires to do within you today? Lent is a season of self-reflection, of repentance, of confession. Is there heart work that God wants to do? Take advantage of our time in worship this morning, our time in prayer. Take advantage of the time and the prayer teams available during Holy Communion to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today what all you need to do is praise God and give Him thanks for the parents that you had and had. Maybe what is needed today is confession and repentance. Perhaps the extension or reception of forgiveness. Perhaps a renewal of the Holy Spirit empowering you to honor your father and your mother. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the fifth commandment is for you. And it is for me, regardless of our age. God's people are to honor their parents, to give them their due weight to respect them, to listen to them, to care for them. And because of Jesus, God's people can.
said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious God, you 